Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Almost Better Than Silence. I'm your host, Doug Coleman, and I'm here today with the other co-hosts, Matt Basta and Brendan McCullough. How's it going? We have Matt Basta in the house. My hands Hello. hurt. Oh, what's Hello. happening, Brent? My hands hurt. We clapped so hard, my hands hurt. My oh, hands God hurt. damn it. Not my this My hands again. hurt. I'm Italian. Oh, Bob and boop. That's how this is starting, I guess. Oh, but no. How are you, Matt? Uh, I'm doing all right. Um, it's Sunday today. Not to date the episode. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah. You can't. I, the episode's single. You can get this is true. Um, ah. I, uh, I, I, I'm... I'm busy this weekend. This is a oh. busy weekend for me, doing a lot of different things. Um, and so I'm excited to get some stuff done, uh, specifically around Pinecast, and uh, also simultaneously very anxious about it. <laughs> nice. Well, that makes sense. Happy Father's Day to you as a cat daddy. <laughs> oh, I thought you were saying it was Pinecast. Oh, that too. <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, thank you. I appreciate that. My cats are both not here now, but neither of them uh, seem to be uh, celebrating or appreciating uh, magnitude. <laughs> All I do for them. Exactly, right? They got to start pulling their weight around there. But no, uh, for anybody that's new to this podcast, it's a video game podcast loosely. Uh, we've been doing this for years now. <laughs> I, it's just insane that this is a thing. Uh, but thanks for tuning in. Uh, let's go round table, talk about the video games we've been playing, and then maybe uh, some of the stuff going on in the news. Like, uh, we have a lot more to cover with E3 and everything. Yeah, yeah. But who wants to go first? I guess we should probably start with Matt, since we don't talk to you as frequently. Um. What was the question? Was it video? Uh, <laughs> you're in being interrogated. Yes, uh, no, but yeah, what? what games have you been playing lately? You know, if I'm being very honest, I haven't really played any games. That's uh, fair. It's I, I know that been that way like on this podcast. The common refrain, you know, Bassa doesn't actually play games, but in, in reality, <laughs> it's, it truthfully, I I sort of went through all of the games that I had on my phone. I had a bunch that I had installed. The, the like shitty games from Instagram ads um, that I, I was talking through the last time I was on and I uninstalled yep. the rest of them and I forget which ones I talked about which ones I didn't so it's probably <laughs> that's <laughs> they fair. were um, truly forgettable yeah best I mean, is too busy watching anime right <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know one thing that I've been getting a lot of uh, uh-huh. uh, ads about lately and I don't understand why they're even still running ads at this point. It's these very vague ads for Pokemon Go hmm. where it's just like a looped gif of like a Charmander jumping and then you've got to like throw the Pokeball. Um, and it's like, uh, click here to, to see the demo. And it's like, this is just this is just Pokemon Go. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. That's um, the game. This game has been out for a very long time and... Uh, it was bad when I played it long after it came out, and I cannot imagine that it has appreciated in any meaningful way. Um, yeah, it's just very weird that that would suddenly reappear um, for me on my feed. But uh, that said, I'm not playing Pokemon Go. Um <laughs> You know, one thing, it, it, actually, this isn't a game that I've been playing, but this is something that I've been talking to a lot of people about. Um, so this summer is going to be uh, four years that I'll have been at my current full-time job. Oh, congrats. Oh, thank you. Yeah, so I'm going to have fully vested uh, my initial uh, equity from, from when I joined, which is fun and exciting. Never have done that before. Um, 
I don't know what that means. But it's also sort of approaching <laughs> the point where, you know, the company is not the same company that I joined four years ago. Um, not that that's a problem, right? Like, mm-hmm. I very much appreciate the fact that companies grow and evolve and change. And I'm, I'm, for the record, quite happy with my job, right? Like, I'm given a, a huge amount of latitude and decision-making and, and um, people leave me alone and sort of just let me uh, do my thing. Dream. Yeah, yes. right? <laughs> I mean, that doesn't mean that they don't schedule meetings with me. It just means that, like, when I, when I make a decision or decide to work on something, nobody's like, what are you doing? <laughs> um, so, I mean, that's cool. But then I'm also thinking about, like, okay, well, I'm not going to do this forever, right? Like, I love this job. This is the best job I've had um, but I also don't want to get so settled in that I'm just doing this for the rest of my life. I've got this big pile of equity. Um, I'd like to move in the next year or so. Um, I haven't been on vacation in like five years at this point, like a proper Damn. actual vacation. Um, yeah. You know, like I've gone to vacation-y places, but then not actually vacation. So, um, a few years ago, um, we went to San Diego and it was supposed to be, uh, Max was giving a talk and I was going to go to the talk and then we would do vacation things, but then Max just ended up preparing for the presentation the whole time. And then I also had to work. And so then it wasn't really a vacation, you know, it's like just been that sort of thing for the longest time. But we were supposed to go to Germany, uh, for Ooh. April last year. And well, like, you know how that goes, yeah. right? Like, um, <laughs> So it, it's it's been frustrating to say the least, and uh, so I'm thinking like what what happens after this job? And I put a lot of thought into it, and you know for a while I'm probably just going to take some time off and and not have a full time job, just you know do my own thing for a little bit, maybe not a full year, but you know a few months, you know where I can focus on things that I care about, focus you know put effort towards things that I want to do. Yeah, um, we can revive ABTD. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, we could, right? Like, no. that's the sort of thing. No. I have all these hobbies <laughs> that I'd had. I'm in back three when DC campaigns show, already. <laughs> right? When we started Almost Better Than Science, I didn't have Pinecast taking up 100% of my free time. And so sure. I was making video games. I was playing video games. I was, <laughs> uh, you know, working so on ago. silly side projects that, you know, weren't going to turn into something, but I could spare the few extra hours on a weekend to go in and fuck around. And now like I can't. And so I've been thinking about all of these things and how I would want to spend my time. And I've got these businesses that I'm also running on the side besides Pinecast. And, um, you know, the things that I would want to dedicate my time to, and the thing that I keep coming back to is I miss making video games, right? Oh, so yeah. you guys have seen uh, Superior Marco Cousins. I've definitely mm. talked about that on the show, yep. like, yeah. you know, six seasons ago or whatever. <laughs> um, there was Hubble Trouble, which I never finished. Um, there's There's been a bunch of them. Uh, you know, Legend of Adventure has been a whole thing. I've been working on that since 2010. Um, Even your resume was like all like glitch oriented uh, <laughs> oh, before right. Twitch and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, well, to that end, um, you know, besides just making games for fun as like a fun hobby, I've been thinking it would be really cool to make a game professionally just because it's, it's the type of computer science problem that energizes me. And it's the sort of thing that um, I would have a lot of fun doing day to day, right? Like if there's ever a thing, it's like you want to wake up and do your job. 
that's it. Has this um, podcast come full circle after all these years? <laughs> no, this is not at all kind of. what we were planning to do in 2014. It felt or like it, it, it really well, was. I swear to God, if you listen we, to some of those, we planned super early to do episodes, a lot of stuff. We did. We were talking about wanting to make a video game together, and it just never. I really mean, happened. we were talking about wanting to make a video game, but with exactly no plan for actually <laughs> achieving yeah, that well, goal. Yeah, we that's had the an idea, but then we had uh, John Somnes on, and he shot our idea like down, and we were like, "Oh wait, yeah, that's actually a really." Did you want to make like a variant of Guitar Hero for a while? Wasn't that like a thing that you wanted? Yeah, yeah it was like a rhythm-based something or other. Yeah, didn't work. <laughs> So I've, I've been thinking about how do other people make games, right? Like, like the kinds now. of games that I historically have spent many, many hours on, right? And like cookie Minecraft. Clicker. Yeah, yeah cookie clicker. So I, cookie clicker is not something that you can. I know. <laughs> <laughs> that, that idea has been like very thoroughly exhausted. Um, but the sorts of games in my past that I found myself uh, enjoying. Building games, right? So city builders, you have city skylines, you have Minecraft. Um, I played towns for a hot minute. Um, but then if I look back even further, in my like early teens, preteens, I was big into Neopets, right? <laughs> like awesome. who wasn't, right? Like if you're a 90s kid, Neopets was this like weird cultural touchstone that everybody sort of interacted with a little bit at some point. Mm-hmm. And it had a little bit of everything, right? When you think of Neopets, you think of the things that you p- did while you were playing it. You know, maybe you just did it for the dailies, or you did it for the mini games, or you did it for the message boards. Maybe you were into battling. Maybe you're into, you know, grinding and leveling up. Maybe you're into building a store. Maybe, you know, there were so many aspects of this game. And there was lore, and there was really neat artwork. And, you know, at the time, this is all based in Flash, and there was all this, like, super interesting concept art that went into these worlds that they had crafted. And I think about Neopets, and then you'd mentioned Glitch, and, like, Glitch is the other thing. You had Stephen Butterfield, uh, who later went on to start Slack. Um, oh, Slack, know, not Twitch. What am I saying? Yeah. He uh, originally had built a video game, um, and the video game part of the game was unpopular compared to a photo sharing aspect of the game, um, which later became Flickr. He shut down the game, built Flickr, got acquired by Yahoo, quit, started the company tiny spec, built glitch, ran out of money, shut the game down, took the stuff that they had built while making glitch and turned it into slack. And so really it's just a race against time for me to build another video game before Steven Butterfield gets bored. (laughs) Um, That's a funny way to look at it. it, In truth, it's, it's like glitch was such a fucking fun game. I love that game more than anything for that year or two that it was around. Um, When I was in college, I remember I was one of the alpha testers, right? Like one of the first hundred or 200 people that ever even played the damn game. And they would put, messages on their Twitter account um, telling you when the game had opened and it would only be open for like half an hour, an hour, two hours, three hours. And so you had limited time to like actually play it. And I don't want to say that it was timer farming, but there was cooldowns. And so you would jump in and the art was amazing. The concept was amazing. Being able to see the game come alive, you know, day to day, week to week. Uh, the music was well-produced. Everything about it, all of the people involved were super talented. And it had this 
community feel where you felt like you were interacting with other people, but also you could do your own thing. There was never any competitive aspect. It was always this very wholesome, very expansive, uh, large feeling, but not actually complicated game. And when I think about that, and I think about Neopets, there's this progression of MMO-ish games, right? You couldn't really build an MMO on the web in the year 2000. 2010, you sort of could. We sort of got there. And like Glitch was the first glimmers of something like that. It was still built in Flash, but like ultimately it had the pieces there. You know, today you could build full AAA 3D games on the web. Um, the technology is around. We have all of these beautiful new APIs that let you do amazing stuff. And so I think about what I did with Legend of Adventure. Um, you know, this was my senior project in college, uh, procedural generation and emergent behavior. And I think about um, what what could be done to bring other players into it. I think about how you could build community and build features and build all of this stuff. And I I honestly want to spend like a year trying to build the next Neopets, right? Like, damn. Imagine Neopets, but if it wasn't geared towards kids, right? Maybe okay. even like the pet aspect wasn't there. It was just like you are acting on behalf of yourself. Maybe there is like a pet thing in the game, but like it's not the core focus. I think there's a real Danger opportunity. Bomb. Yeah, there's a real opportunity to have the interaction with the people around you in a cooperative way while also making it interesting and, and competitive in a non-competitive sense. And so, you know, one thing about Neopets, which is cool, is you could build this shop. And, you know, in a lot of ways, it's like playing e-commerce website. <laughs> you put things for sale in your shop, you give them prices, you design your shop, and then people come and buy things and, you know, you make money. Um, and, you know, depending on how you actually acquire those items and what you're selling them for, you might make money, you might lose money. Um, but like at the end of the day, it doesn't matter, right? Like the, it, you can't go bankrupt. <laughs> it's, it's a kid's game. <laughs> All the and, fun of sale, uh, retail and sales without the risk. Exactly. exactly. And so, you know, if you imagine there's just this silly time-wasting game, you could go on and, you know, futz around and like flea market shop in this virtual online world for a little while and take your stuff and sell it in your other virtual shop. But then I think one of the things that the, the recent technology developments around the web have unlocked is that you can now build things that feel big. So one of the things that Neopets sort of failed at, and maybe it wasn't a failure because it wasn't a design goal, but it, it, it felt small because everything was just a web page, right? You can just type mm. in a different URL in your address bar and like go to a different part of the world or, you know, bookmark a bunch of different you know, regions or whatever, and, and, and just jump between them. And so the ability to sort of like travel between continents or to a space station or whatever, um, sort of made it feel cheap because, um, it, it wasn't as if there was distance, there was no cost to going anywhere. And I wonder how you could use things like web sockets and, you know, cheap compute to have world between your worlds, you know? And so there is some journey, there is some cost, um, adding distance between places where you actually have to traverse, 
you know, small spaces or large spaces or have shortcuts that have costs associated with them, you know, transit. Um, I think about Breath of the Wild and how if you took all of the the glue areas out of Breath of the Wild, it's actually a fairly small game. And I think... Go ahead. Yeah, I know that's a contentious statement. Well, I was just thinking, like, (laughs) I'm wondering if you mean, like, just the plot stuff, because we've seen people speedrun Breath of the Wild and do just the plot in, like, a few hours. Sure. Or do you mean, like, all the, like, shrines, which big complaint is that they were all very similar, but there were a lot of them, or the small villages that had a lot of side stuff. Yeah, so, I mean, to that end, what I mean is, if you imagine that the plot is the game, Everything else is kind of just glue, like mm-hmm. ma- making it feel big, right? If you yeah. imagine that you had taken all of the space between out of Breath of the Wild, it's a very small game. Yeah. In the same way that Neopets, like conceptually, is very large. It's a large world. There's lots of features. There's lots to do. But it's all very small because you can just get between things very easily. If you could just, you know, snap your fingers and go from one world to another, then like... Who cares? <laughs> it doesn't you know, feel like but, you traveled anywhere. It's just... Yeah. It, it, I think Breath of the Wild had this interesting idea where it artificially made the game bigger than it, it actually was by introducing travel time and things to do along the way. And th- I don't actually know if they used procedural generation. But I imagine they did because they didn't want to hand code every tiny aspect of every area of every, you know, tiny corner of the game. Mm. Um, There's interesting things that you can imagine doing to flesh out an extremely large world. And games in recent years have tried that, right? We've talked about all these games. It's like, oh, it's procedural generation. It's this universe with 100 billion galaxies and 100 quadrillion, bajillion solar systems. and No man's sky. Yeah, exactly. That's what comes (laughs) to mind. And, you know, you go and they're they're all the same. But I think part of that is a lack of imagination and not... Uh, really like a lack of technology or, you know, uh, uh, validity to the techniques. And so anyway, um, that's what I've been thinking about and talking to friends about. And uh, I really just like, I miss the feeling of having a game where you feel good about it and there it's just relaxing and calming and, uh, I don't want to say that there's no conflict, but the conflict that's there feels productive. Um, and so, yeah, that's uh, that's what I've been doing. Very cool. No, I um, appreciate that you brought up Neopets. It's funny. Um, the co-host of my other podcast is big into like trading card games, and I, I'm mm. clearly into them as well. But uh, one of the trading card games he covers is Neopets. And yeah, I'm, maybe you didn't know, but there was a Neopets trading card game by Wizards of the Coast from 2003 oh, to 2006. Wizards? Yep. Uh, it, they're, the cards look great. Uh, apparently the game's fun. So Matt, maybe I'll get you interested in that. You could uh, maybe... <laughs> Think some that money for a into long the card time, game. Neopets was like run by Scientologists. Yeah. What? <laughs> I had no yeah, idea. It got real fucking weird. Sold, sold in like 2011, <laughs> I think, or something. So like up till what then. the hell? Yeah, that's crazy. goofy. There are a lot of other games out there, like different management type of games. Because like when you were talking about like the fun of running a store, and like you know immediately everyone's like, oh, like retail. I never want to go back. But it's like. No, there's uh, Race to Tier, Item Shop Tale, and Moonlighter are both two games where you manage a store during the day and at night you go into a dungeon and collect all the supplies you then sell in the store. 
And honestly, those were two incredibly fun games. Like, they're some of my favorite games because it was just a very novel idea to a dungeon crawling uh, system as well as a management system. So, yeah. akin to what you were saying, Basta, with like the uh, city builder games and stuff, there's a lot of different management types of games where you are doing kind of similar game mechanics but done in a different way through a management narrative uh, that definitely are worth looking into and could be expanded upon. So, yeah, I, I agree that there's definitely something there that could be hooking people's interest in, you know, a new, not necessarily a new genre, but maybe a genre that hasn't exploded yet. But Yeah, I'd be interested to see Bass's take on it. Um, but then let's keep going with the games we've been playing. I guess I'll go next. I don't have too much of an update, but I'll, uh, do a little update on what's been going on in the stream lately. I did my first ever Just Chatting stream. That was a lot of fun. Um, just hung out, really played some trailers on the Nintendo eShop and, uh, some music and stuff, but, uh, it was a really good night. And then actually last night I played some Fall Guys and I got six crowns, so I was really kicking ass. Wow. It was really good. Yeah, I know. I, I usually Not do sure. okay, but six was, uh, pretty surprising. So yeah. Happy that's how it all went down. But yeah, other than that, not too much to report other than the stuff going on in E3. So how about you, Bren? Yeah, kind of similar. Busy life stuff, so haven't been playing too much. Uh, we all remember when I said I'd calm down with Binding of Isaac and not get the secondary alt characters for all the characters. That's a lie. Yeah, I, we all I, knew you were lying. We knew that would happen. But I figured out how to do it once again. There's no indication or instructions in the game itself. It's all stuff I looked up separately, so I don't know how the hell anyone would know this stuff. But <laughs> I did I did figure out there were mechanics to easily do this instead of just relying on pure RNG, so it isn't as much of a hurdle. Um, right. But yeah, playing that, that's, that's my zen game. That's my zone out, throw on a podcast or listen to music and just not think for a while. Uh, so that's just my go-to when I'm stressed. So I've been playing it a lot. <laughs> nice. Um, oh, besides, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, besides that, uh, I've been playing a bit of uh, Knockout City too. Uh, I got a few friends who are playing it, so we got like a crew together, and uh, it's really nice. It's really nice being in a crew because you can just you got a group of people you can group up with and play team games with whenever they're online, uh, and then there's crew like goals and contracts that you can unlock for each other. So we, if you're in a crew, you'll log in and just get like, get like, oh, you have five thousand experience for doing nothing because your crew members did it while you were logged off. So it's nice just logging in and getting like these bonuses that like other people did for you. It's like, oh, that's not bad. I don't hate that. Um, but with that, I've noticed like, like we talked about, it's got like the rotating shop of cosmetic stuff, like the you know, like a Fortnite store sort of totally. thing, or, like the Fall Guys. Uh, I'm realizing not as many cosmetics are changeable things as you would think and maybe that's why it's a rotating store to be like we can't show our whole hand because there's only 15 things <laughs> but if we only show you six of them at a time we can rotate them at least three times and you know maybe right. we'll catch them it is a new game i am aware of that uh, yes. but i am i am surprised like it's only been like a week and i'm like i'm noticing a lot of stuff repeating here <laughs> So I feel like that's got to be one of the easiest things to add, like in future patches and updates, is just like I don't know cosmetics and stuff. Yeah, and you know the game's so high paced, and you're running around, you're not really looking at anyone unless at the beginning or ending screen of a that match. too. Yeah. So like in game, you could be clipping through shit all the time, or your you know the cosmetics are like falling off the character, drifting slightly. Like no one will really notice. But like the end gr end screen and beginning screen of like a match is when you're showing off your you know outfit or whatever kind of. Um, 
But yeah, still fun. Like I said, I uh, playing it, it's pretty quick to understand the game. Uh, yeah, the one person I play with every now and then is in was in Emerald rank. Now they're uh, now she's in Ruby rank, which is like I think like second highest. I think I think Diamonds above that, and that's it. Or oh something. damn! And like I said, it's an easy game to understand, but good god, there's like the skill threshold that is just ridiculous it's like rocket league we're like yeah i know how to play this i can understand this pretty easily and then you see someone who actually knows how to play yeah they're flying around in the air fluttering yeah yeah and it's with this i think rocket league is more there's more control in the actual characters than in knockout city with this you're still pretty limited movement wise on what you kind of can't do but just the reaction speed of people being able to catch the ball and then throw it back to you so one difference between Knockout City and actual dodgeball is if you catch the ball in dodgeball, the person who threw it's out. In Knockout City, you just catch the ball and now you can have the ball to throw back. The difference is every time you catch a ball and throw it back, if they catch it and throw it back, it increases the speed up to oh, wow. six times. What? So there's like an achievement of like getting a, like catching a supercharged ball at like the fourth, fifth, and sixth charge level. And I don't know how you get those because those are so blindingly like they're very quick if you're far away from each other and throwing it. They're extremely quick if you're right next to each other and throwing it, which is what the higher ranked matches are. It's just people like right next to each other launching back and forth at rapid succession. And I don't know how people have the reaction speed for those stuff because it's so fast. Well, do you, do you think there's an advantage for people playing on PC because of the like keyboard and mouse? I'm... I'm curious about that. I'm not sure which is necessarily better. I played with some people like who are playing on the Switch, and there seemed to be some delay or lag on their end. Sure. And it was like it wasn't intentional. It wasn't like they were lag switching or something, or you know they set up a VPN in Australia so their connection speed would be worse so they could get that. Um, I so I don't think it was intentional, but I I don't I'm not sure if it helped them or hindered them because there was times like I throw a ball at somebody and then see them like shift over like an inch or two rapidly. And the ball missed them. Yeah. So I, I think they definitely could maybe filter out the online player. Like, the crossplay is fine, but it's maybe based on their connection or stability and filter those out. Um, I'm sure that's something similar to what they do in the ranked matches. But, okay. I mean, also, you probably can't get that high ranked if you have a shitty you know, connection <laughs> speed True. anyway. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's – it's I don't, I don't really think there's a way to, like, cheese it or – break it so far that i've seen at least not that i've seen there's definitely gonna be someone who will find it and like crack it open and you know make it so they catch every ball like i remember in assassin's creed the multiplayer for that if you knew someone was behind you if you dodged their attack you could stun them um and there was a once people jailbroke the ps3s they were able to do that automatically so anytime anyone attacked them they automatically stunned the attacker so i'm sure someone's going to figure out a way to automatically catch every ball thrown at them and you know ruin the game Right. But it's still new, and as far as I know, that's not possible yet. But yeah, it's it's a wildly fun game, and it gets really tense. Like you get like you'd be surprised how much you get into it. Just it's just dodgeball, but you know you get three v three people all in a very close proximity, and they have all the dodgeballs in that area, just launching back and forth. It gets so chaotic and <laughs> high paced. Like it gets real fun. So nice, yeah, dude. still still fun game. Still recommend it. Very cool. 
Well, I guess that can lead us to our E3 discussion or anything else going on in the show topics. Uh, Matt, I feel like you probably get first stab at anything going on You're in the show topics. You're covering E3 real close, well, right? Well, not even E3. I just feel like you've had a million things in the show topics as the months have gone by. So, like, if there's anything oh. you want to start with, uh, and no worries <laughs> if not. Um, we were too dumb to touch any of your topics, so we just skipped over them. Kind of. <laughs> well, oh boy. You know, not not a lot has happened that I I feel especially strongly about. Not that sure. that's to say that I, I don't feel strongly about the things that I post. <laughs> um, but nothing has, has, you know, stuck with me. Uh, E3 was a real shit show, though, huh? Yeah. yeah. Well, there's I, some really good games. So for anyone who doesn't know, if you want just a quick recap of it, there is a website called uh, E3 Recap. Uh, what's the exact uh, yeah, so it's the uh, you know, HTTP uh, colon slash whatever, and it's the year dot e three recap dot com, and that's just an easy way if you just want to see everything that was covered in E three, like that year. Um, so that's a very convenient guide to just look at everything because there's a lot of stuff you miss uh, or that doesn't get streamed or really highlighted too much. So there might be little gems in there. You know, somebody really needs to ask the question at this point, and and not at E3, but people at, like, these games companies need to step back and think to themselves, is this really even worth it? No. Like, E3 (laughs) as an event, like, to me, doesn't make sense. Conceptually, it seems like it was relevant in an era where distribution of information was much harder. Yeah. Right? In the earlier days of the internet, you couldn't just have a stream of this stuff, right? It seems completely bizarre to me that the best way of announcing upcoming things is on a stage at an event or <laughs> in the case of this year on the internet, right? I feel like at like, this point it's just tradition and yeah, they like yeah. spending money. They like need an excuse to do it. So they're like, let's just uh, start at 95. Yeah. I don't think it's that because like these games companies would gladly not spend the money, right? True. Like, how about pay your fucking engineers? Oh, like, no, 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 can't do that, can't do that. So, I mean, the, the thing that I see is that at this point, they just don't really know what the alternative is, right? Yeah. And nobody wants to be the game company that breaks the mold, or nobody wants to be the game company that doesn't show up at E3 and then, you know, gets chastised for it or loses out because of it or doesn't get as much press as their neighbors. We've kind of had that because of the pain, like in recent years, like maybe the last three years, we've seen, I think Sony stepped back from E3 last year and Nintendo's been doing their own Nintendo Directs mm-hmm. and kind of doing less at E3, like less of a big ordeal at E3 and saving like people are speculating, oh, what if there's a new console for Nintendo? Like Nintendo will announce that on their own. They're not going to share the stage or spotlight with other companies at E3 when they announce something big, they'll just do it on their own website, get that traffic to them and like, you know, do it there. So it's kind of getting there and we're seeing like bigger companies do that, but you're right. It did. Everyone was very skittish to do that and like break away from the tradition that is E3. Right. I really would just love for one of these big companies to just say, we're just not going to do it this time. Because they'll get more press coverage from from saying they're not doing E3 than they will get from going to E3 and announcing the same thing. <laughs> I feel like Microsoft would be the first to do that because they're already yeah. just like, oh, we're getting away from video games somehow, but still, I don't know, it's weird. I mean, Microsoft would get attention because they don't have anything to show at E3 because they're not 
doing great game wise. Uh, but PlayStation said they weren't attending E3 this year. Oh, that's right. It's because all like is the difference because there's developers for like the platform and for the console, and then there as the platform they would attend. But right now we have different co- we have the different individual developing companies doing it. So like Ubisoft's getting their own conferences and. Uh, EA is getting their own conferences, and they're saying this is on the PlayStation, this is on the PlayStation, but PlayStation themselves didn't have anything this year. Yeah, that makes sense. I've seen them there in the past. Um, well, let's maybe go around uh, and talk about which games stood out to us. Really, for me, I only have like one that I'm like ultimately excited for, and that is Metroid Dread. I feel like there's two types of Metroid fans out there. The old school side-scrolling Metroid, and then you also have the fans of Prime. Yeah, the the 3D fans. But then again, you have some people that are uh, crossover, uh, love the franchise no matter what, and like both style games. But I feel like when they introduced Prime, they really did just kind of like put a line down the sand and was like, we're making a new fan base because we're moving on from the 2D stuff. And... All the people that were like, just like, their hearts were set on the old nostalgia of the side scrolling games where it kind of felt betrayed. It's like, this is cool. It makes sense we're moving in this direction, but I just, there's something about the side scrolling Metroid that I love. The fact that they're going back to that feels amazing. That's why this is technically Metroid 5. Um, it's following the side scrolling games, uh, sequentially. So, but the cool thing about this is it's like a 2.5D because it's like, even though it's side scrolling, it's very three dimensional looking. It's yeah. very impressive. It's 3D environments and 3D models and stuff, but it is still 2D, like side scrolling. So, like, we've seen a few. Um, oh God, now I'm forgetting it. <laughs> of course, now I think about it, but like, Oh God! There, I I can't think of it now. No uh, worries. There, but there's been a few games where yeah, it's 3D models and 3D environments, and there's depth of field like in the background and stuff. Um, you know, it's not just pix- 2D pixels running across the screen. Exactly. Uh, but still, a uh, old school side-scrolling Metroidvania. Right, in a modern way, it looked so good. The trailer they showed off some of like these new mechanics and everything, like go- like going invisible to hide from like an enemy and all this stuff. I'm just very much excited for Metroid Dread, as I'm sure a lot of people are. But then again, it is very uh, polarizing. I was in a stream and I mentioned it to one of these streamers, and uh, their response was like, "I am not." interested in metroid dread at all i was hoping for more or less a prime uh sequel i'm like that's fair <laughs> to each their own though shadow complex that's the game i was thinking of where it was oh right yep 3d that that's one of my favorite metroidvanias and that's like a own ip by itself uh that was way back on the, like the 360 and stuff but if you ever get the chance yeah two and a half d format exactly um yeah, uh, that person that said they were hoping for Metroid Prime and Odyssey, they're wrong. They're just objectively wrong. Right. Uh, <laughs> That's how I this, feel. This is similar to um, the problem people have had with Sonic, where it's like, Sonic games were great when they were 2D. The second they went into 3D, they all became garbage. Like, I can't really think of a 3D Sonic game. I'd go, yes, this is a good Sonic game. But Sonic Mania was the most recent 2D Sonic game, and it's by far one of the best Sonic games in years, if not decades. Yeah, and it's because it was designed and made as a side scroller in mind, and that's what they are comfortable with. That's what they're familiar with, and that's yes. what they know to utilize the most. Back to uh, the, the roots. For. Yeah, so it's anytime they take like an animated character and they're like, "What if Homer Simpson was realistic?" And it's like he'd be hideous because he was never designed to be realistic. So it's like Sonic and Metroid; these games were made with a two D side scrolling in mind. Doesn't mean you can't innovate. Doesn't mean you can't change it up and make you know Metroid Prime, which is a good game. But, like, that's what they're more familiar with and comfortable with. 
And just because we can go into something doesn't mean we need to go into a new, like, mechanic or world or style of gameplay. Like, there are still plenty of amazing side-scrolling games out there. Skull, The Last Hero Slayer, fucking great game. Right. Pixel art, side-scroller. Like, it's still good, even in 2021. So, yeah. I'm very excited for Dread. This Me looks too. really good. That is one that instantly, like, uh, caught my eye. But how about you yeah. guys? Anything jump out at you? Uh, let's see. I know people are excited for different like conferences, and they're like, "Oh boy, Capcom! What's going to come out of Capcom?" I can't even find a recap of Capcom because the conference was so lackluster. Apparently, yikes! Um, it seems like there was just like a lot of like, "Hey, Monster Hunter, we're doing some more stuff with that. No new games, but like more add-ons. It's like Resident Evil for VR. It's like nothing really to show. It's like Ace Attorney. That's it. Bye." And it's like what? What? Okay. So, like, I can't even find a solid, concise recap of Capcom. Um, what else happened? Square Enix. We had a Square Enix conference. Uh, there's some life issues. I didn't watch pretty much any E3. I just wait for the stuff now because I got better stuff to do. <laughs> Fair um, enough. There was a Life is Strange update. We got a little sneak peek of Life is Strange 2 Colors. True Colors, yes. Apparently the powers are based off empathy, which is a weird mechanic. Right. That everyone was talking about and not thrilled about. Um, Final Stranger of Paradise Final Fantasy Origins, which I was just seeing get joked and memed on. So I'm guessing people weren't thrilled about that. Um, and they showed Guardians of the Galaxy and a lot of Marvel stuff, which everyone hated because we're goddamn sick of Marvel stuff. Yeah. So That ship has sailed. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, I forgot to mention while we were talking about Metroid Dread, there's a a glitch on the GameStop website. Maybe it's not a glitch, but for some reason I was able to screenshot it. If you go to GameStop and pull up the Metroid Dread if you wanted to pre-order it, it's currently for $59.99, reasonable, but it said it's yeah. on sale because it was typically $9,999.99. So they, they were trying to sell huh. this game for $10,000. And it's like, and right next to it, it says, save $9,940. <laughs> I'm like, wow, you'd be an idiot not to get this game for that cheap. I hope that's a glitch. <laughs> right? But also, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, yeah. there's that's the sales tactic of like, you know, we're selling TVs for 80% off. It's like 80% <laughs> the wholesale value. The actual customer retail value is like, 30 percent off so exactly like, ah, the, the gimmicks god damn it GameStop. Um, no it's probably because of uh all the stock stuff no anyway move on uh yeah, what's going anyway. on what other games we had uh, xbox they had their conference um it's xbox it's a lot of gritty mercenary guys in gray and beige environment settings shooting at other people that's a big bulk of their games um but we got captain jack sparrow and sea of thieves now that's a weird tie-in. A lot of crossovers with games. Um, there's uh, the Microsoft Flight Simulator, which is one of the billion of t- simulator games out there that are more popular than they have any right to be, in my opinion. Um, it's a classic, but, though. It's it's like it's a, a classic. It's just weird. You know, it's yeah. a new version of a game that we've already had that you know people are passionate about. I am very supportive of the flight simulator people because it, it, it's almost like the ham radio community, right? Like <laughs> the mono train people. They've been around forever. They've been around since before we were all born. They've been doing their weird hobby and being pleasant to one another pretty much. And well. like, 
We're not in that community. We don't know. Leave the flight simulator people alone. I'm just saying, there might be discourse in the flight simulator community. We don't know. I'm not involved. That's what there might be discourse there. But guess what? Like any given interaction, you you pop your head into the flight simulator world, and everybody seems very professional. They're all talking about airplanes. They're all talking about like (laughs) procedure. You know, it's never you pop in and it's like fucking chat on a Twitch stream. You know, it's not the e community. It's very pleasant. It's not the Eve community where someone went into someone else's house, cut their power, like, with clippers to shut them out during a raid. Like, Eve community is fucking insane. Yeah, Matt's not wrong, though, because I popped into a Twitch stream where they were doing Flight Simulator, and I was, like, talking about how this game looks so relaxing and everything, and I asked the streamer, I said, "Uh, do you ever have, like, other... uh, pilots just kind of, like, troll you and, like, crash into your plane and anything crazy like that? And he's like, Nope. <laughs> I was like, okay. I, I was like, I if I was playing this pilots. game, I think I would fuck around. But I have a feeling, like Matt said, everyone in that community is like, no, we're taking flying very seriously. I don't think it's. I don't think it's like a multiplayer game, like an MMO. I think it's just you. You're the only pilot. Like, oh, I think world. the one I was watching, it, he was playing with other online you can people. Have multiple. Yeah, oh, you, you can. can? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, never mind. Um, but they're doing a Top Gear crossover with flight uh, flight simulator. Ah. So. Or Top Gun, Top Gun. Sorry, I, that's what I Not knew. Top what you meant? You meant Tom yeah. Cruise, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, they're doing Top Gun Maverick movie. You know that old staple of, hey, this movie hasn't been relevant in thirty years. Let's give it a sequel and try and make more money off this beaten horse. Right. Um. So Top Gun's getting a new movie, and they're doing a crossover with Flight, Flight Simulator for that. Uh, what else was at the Microsoft conference? Uh, Halo Infinite. You still like Halo? Cool, it's been 25 years, but here you go. Here's more. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, do, does anybody still care? Like, it, like <sighs> I I won't deny it's a good game mechanically, like a shooter. Like, it's good. Yeah. I don't give a shit about that world or that universe. I'll play any other shooter, like, before Halo. But, I mean, I was never a live-or-die Halo fanboy to begin with. Even I was back in the ones. day and like if you revisit the story and play it in modern years it's like that was fun and then you're done. Like I don't know I, that game only has so much life but apparently there's still a dedicated fan base. It's just the multiplayer. I think the multiplayer is going to be free because they're like yeah we know this is what you're here for. No one really gives a shit about the story at this point anymore. Oh definitely not. Uh, Psychonauts 2 gameplay trailer to that it's actually being made. I am Honestly surprised. I thought Tim Schafer would have taken that money and ran. <laughs> uh, we'll see how good it is. People are very excited. I Psychonauts is very good. The first one's very good. I'm not the biggest fan of Double Fine. So we'll see. We'll see if they're able to keep true to the original or if they deviated wildly like they tend to do. Um, slime Rancher 2. Very simple game. You farm a bunch of little slime boys. It's really cute and relaxing. So nice. it's cool seeing that there's a second in that works. Uh, Outer Wa- Outer Worlds 2. Also <laughs> you almost said game. Outer Wilds. <laughs> I would love an Outer Wilds too. Outer Wilds was fantastic. Yes. Outer Worlds is kind of just like, what if Fallout was made by the people actually that like Fallout instead of just the shield corporation of Bethesda that has been left behind after massive layoffs. Um, yeah, now they're just feeding off that deal with uh, Microsoft too. I feel like the next Elder Scrolls yeah. is going to be a Microsoft exclusive, and it's just going to be the talk of the co- video game community. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, Outer Worlds though got a lot of popular, lot of popularity, a lot of fans. Uh, I think it was a bit buggy at launch. Uh, one, once again, one of those games I 
I don't have 70 hours to sink into this. I have to sink my 70 hours into Binding of Isaac more. Because <laughs> uh, God knows that needs my attention. Of course. Uh, and Redfall, which is a new game they announced. Um, that got a trailer, a really cinematic trailer. It looks like an open-world co-op shooter. Uh, but it kind of feels like a Left 4 Dead, but for vampires, if I'm being honest. Which, it didn't look bad. Like, it, all the characters that you play as seem to have, like, their own superpowers and stuff. So, like, it didn't look bad, but I don't I don't know what necessarily makes it unique besides just you fight vampires in this one. Right. Um, so we'll see. Also, okay. Xbox announced a mini-fridge. I don't know why. Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> That's where we're at in the video full game world. Of, fill it full of your monster energy like drinks this. and blow yes. out your heart. God uh, damn it. And people were pretty much excited the most for Nintendo because they were the one that did the best, or at least had the most to show, but it's also, like, hard to argue. I'm like, is it the nostalgia fanboy, like, biting, like, in there? Like, is that what people are reaching for? Which, it's, I'm always back and forth on Nintendo, because, like, I know there's a lot of diehard fans, and they are blind to some of Nintendo's flaws, but then again, Nintendo does seem to follow, like, does seem to follow through with a lot of the best deals or, like, games, and, like, they know what their fans want. They keep doing that. Dude, it's really apparent with Mario Golf Super Rush. Like, this game, they've, like, went above and beyond with all the extra shit. Like, the Battle Golf, the, uh, what's it called? Speed Golf. Like, the different modes and stuff. It just looks so extremely fun. I I forget where I was saying it was probably on the stream. I'm like, whoever has to follow up with the next golf video game after this, good luck. Because, um, Nintendo's just taking all the glory and uh, it's just gonna be a very fun game. Because with Nintendo games, even if you take out the characters that you know and are familiar with, like, it's still a good game. A hundred percent, yeah. So it's kind of like, you can't argue with that. Yeah. Um, what else did they announce? They announced um, Shin, Shin Megami Tensei Five. That was tough to say. Uh, it's from the same guys uh, from Atlas, same team that does, like, uh, Persona 5 games. Uh, so Shin Megami Tensei is, like, part of that same world, kind of loosely. Uh, people are very excited for that. Uh, WarioWare. That's getting a Switch game. People are very excited for that. It would work very well with the Joy-Cons uh, if they don't drift. Uh, Metroid Dread, all excited for. Mario Party Superstars. That's going to get messy. Another Mario Party game, but I don't know. We've seen Mario... They announced the Mario Party what 8 or whatever now is all playable online, and the lag is just too much to really handle. So I'm curious to see if one that was built with that in mind can handle it better. Yeah. Super Monkey Ball, got a new game for that coming out. Hell yeah. Announced a new fighter for Smash. Kazuya from Tekken, or Jin, I think was his name in the English release. Well, at least they don't have a sword. It, it's not an anime sword, boy. It's not Fire Emblem, so I'm happy about that. Yep. I'm not crazy that it's Kazuya. Like, he's not one of my favorite, but it is, you know, hey, it's not a fucking anime sword, boy. And really, that's the baseline. I yeah, <laughs> that's Brothers. where we're at. Yep. But some people were pissed off, like, oh, it's another fighting game character. It's like, yeah, Smash Brothers is a fighting game. Duh. What the, <laughs> the fuck you think it'd be? God it's going to it. be the L block from Tetris? No. It's, you know. Uh, so it is cool seeing a, te- a, te- a Tekken, Tekken character in Smash Brothers now with Street Fighter and with, uh, uh, not Streets of Rage, Fatal Frame. No. Fuck, what's the other game? King of Fighters with te- Terry Bogard. Oh, okay. Uh, so it is cool seeing it being kind of more like, acknowledging the other fighting games and the classics, especially for Nintendo. Heck, I'll take uh, Tetris blocks and uh, Smash any day. I mean, they're an assist trophy, so, like, it could happen. Nice. 
Uh, and then the other stuff, the last news, is Zelda-related. We got a Legend of Zelda uh, Skyward Sword HD remake, which literally no one on the planet's excited for. That game sucked ass. Yeah. It, I don't care how pretty you repaint it. That game is just inherently bad and boring and uh, just weird. Um, but then we're getting a big expansion pack for Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity. So anyone who's... It looks like Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity is going to be like the first Hyrule Warriors with just a shitload of DLC and then a remastered one re-release with all of the DLC in a year. So you can look forward to that. <laughs> uh, and then we got an actual like good length trailer for Breath of the Wild 2. Hell so yeah. We got a lot, a lot of footage of that. Just, you know, more of Zelda, more Link running around showing off the different mechanics. It looks like this one's going to be more time-based manipulation. So instead of like freezing a thing and then like taking away its momentum and hitting it and loading it with different momentum, you can like freeze freeze it and rewind it and stuff. But then Link was also like swimming through Earth. Like he was able to like phase through other objects as a mechanic. So it's going to be interesting and yeah, people are very excited for that. Hell yeah. One thing I noticed is Link's arm looked kind of like it had a weird magic on it, like a weird corruption, like kind of pixely looking, like a very cubic looking corruption on his right arm. And it kind of reminded me a lot of Twilight from Twilight Princess. So I would be fully on board for revisiting like the Twilight Realm and like Midna and all that shit in a Breath of the Wild setting. Ah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that's my hope. Because that cool. Twilight Princess is my favorite. Regardless of how ugly it looks, regardless of how bad it plays, I know Bass has complained about it before. I won't <laughs> deny that. I'm not going to argue that, but it is my favorite. Cool way so to tie I'm it together. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be great. Because it's, hey, it's it's a different Zelda world. You can make it whatever you want. Like, you can tie in all the old characters you want. Give us Breath of the Wild Tingle. He'd be horrifying. But I don't want to see it. Yeah, well, and this is the last thing I have for tonight, and uh, it's for Bren, I guess, and maybe Basta. Where do you live again, Basta? Uh, give us your ad- address. <laughs> the exact address? I'm in Chicago. Okay, okay, this is for you then. That's enough. Uh, actor <laughs> Danny Trejo has opened a Trejo's Tacos Ghost Kitchen in the heart of Chicago. So, yeah, you know the actor from Machete, Spy Kids, Desperado. Yeah. The Mexican American uh, ghost kitchen that he just made, Trejo's Tacos. Uh, give it a try, Basta. Let us know how it is. Uh, I'm just making Bren There's jealous. There's a 100% chance that I will not be going to this <laughs> <No>. <laughs> And so, first I, of all, it's not a place you can go to like <laughs> well, that's ghost true. kitchen means you order it on uber eats yep. and if i'm gonna order some mexican <laughs> food on location. uber eats there's a 100 percent chance that it is not going to be some random celebrity but <laughs> what if danny <laughs> trejo himself made it for you basta i could promise if danny you trejo not. is working in a ghost kitchen in chicago <laughs> then he has fallen on some very Something dark bad times. happens. that's true okay well uh, i just had to shout it out <laughs> and i can attest to that because he's got a few locations in la and they're not bad, but it is quite expensive. And, like, I'd rather go to the street taco lady, like, outside of my work office. God, I mess that You're lady. paying for that Those name, Brand Trejo's Tacos. I'm just kidding. You, you think I give a shit about I brands? I know. I'm uh, poor as hell. Brand. I can't afford brands. Speaking brand. of brands, uh, brand. we've been listening to Almost Better Than Silence. No, anyway, let's move on. Uh, anyway, uh, let's wrap this one up and do some plugs. No, uh, listen, I got a, I got a show topic. Oh, oh please what? tell us. Really? What's your show when? topic? So Microsoft it has put out, or maybe not put out, but uh, leaked um, some screenshots of Windows 11. Wow. 
I posted this in the show topic show. Okay, I'm checking it out right now. The link. So the the thing that I have taken away from both this article and what other people have been saying is that this is Microsoft's time to fix their user interface problem. So I also linked in a thread on the article um, something that which was posted very recently. What's the date on this? Uh, 15? Well, February 6th. It's not super recent, but it's recent enough to still be relevant. Um, It says, how many layers of UI inconsistencies are in Windows 10? Um, And so the like top layer is the stuff that you interact with, you know, minute to minute, second to second, start menu, taskbar. And this is what's known as fluent design. And then under that, you've got Metro, which is the remnants of Windows 8 and 8.1. And then under that, you've got... Uh, the Win32 version of that from uh, Windows 7 and Windows 8. And then you've got Windows 7 elements underneath from when they brought in um, the ribbon from Office. Uh, and then you've got some like weird things like, um, you know, certain built-in tools like the remote desktop connection that still look like they're from a version of Windows many generations ago. There's yep. a bunch of Windows Vista stuff that still hasn't changed in a very long time. Uh, especially in the control panel. Yeah, there's Windows XP stuff where you have those old yellow folders and the paper flipping around. And and like, you you can just go back and back and back all the way to stuff that first appeared in Windows 95 and some stuff that arguably (laughs) was part of uh, MS-DOS, which has just never been removed. Um, Generally, (laughs) like, icons and things like that. Um, So it's it's interesting to, to see Microsoft paying attention uh, with user interface polish as the first, uh, or, or at least the most publicized piece of uh, Windows 11. For me, that's honestly a, a huge deal, right? So I use Mac OS. Um, just before we started recording, I was noting how I just upgraded to uh, Mac OS 11.4, um, which has been sort of a bump in UI quality. They've really gone through and overhauled a bunch of stuff. The thing that would get me back to Windows, um, or at least have a Windows computer in my life, is cleaning up the shit, right? (laughs) And, like, these layers of bad UI are really one of the, like, first and foremost ugliest pieces of of Windows, right? Like, you can't form a mental model anymore, in my opinion, um, of where to go or what to do because... From screen to screen and, you know, modal dialogue to modal dialogue, things are different. Um, you can't build a muscle memory for the operating system because all of the different things are, are, are you know, vastly different from each other. Um, I went to visit uh, my family a few years ago uh, for Christmas. And helping my dad with a problem required me to change some sort of settings in the control panel. And back when I still use Windows, like the last version of Windows that I use was Windows 7. Mm-hmm. It's pretty consistent, right? Start, control panel. It's the same control panel you've had since the dawn of time. It looks like a folder. You click on the thing that you care about. You know, there's there's like some options in there. You know, maybe it opens uh, a new window, which, you know, is straightforward. 
But the mix of Windows 10-isms layered on top of Windows 8-isms layered on top of Windows 7-isms... It's real bad. ...has made it so confusing, right? Like, if you have a problem with your Wi-Fi and you need to debug that, you go through at least five or six different types of network configuration pages before you find the one that you actually need. You know, there's only one control panel on Mac for network stuff, and it is... All in one place. It's you never they need the account for legacy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Yeah. And I mean, that's that's largely what folks are saying online with regard to Windows 11. But at, at the same time, it's time to to say, guess what? Get up. <laughs> we're going to change yeah. some things. We're ge- we're going to go through and like maybe the the applications built into Windows. You know, the paints and the remote desktop connections and the voice recorder and everything. Maybe those stay the same. Right. For, for folks who are using them. But we're going to go through and we're going to change the user interface of all of the pages of the control panel. We're going to go through and we're going to fix the sidebar. We're going to fix all of these weird like taskbar tray things. We're going to go in and like make the start menu finally not just be this cobbled together amalgamation of every product team at Microsoft deciding to go in their own direction. Yeah. Um, you know, like there's, there's so many rough edges that haven't been sorted out, right? Like Windows 8 had this amazing concept for the Metro start menu, right? Having like tiles and you can have things that are bigger than other things and you have live information loading. And then you get all your software installed and it's just a bunch of fucking folder icons because every you know manufacturer on the planet doesn't want to carve out an exception for the fucking Metro start menu. And so <laughs> they they still want to work on Windows 7. They still want to work on, well, at the time, like Windows XP. And, and nobody wants to update all of their shit to work with the latest and greatest thing that Microsoft came out with. And so I think that it's finally time for Microsoft to rip off that goddamn Band-Aid and start to peel back some of these layers of things that no longer make sense in you know, the, the year of, of our Lord 2021, <laughs> it, totally. and, you know, get this shit together, right? Like, why do we still have, you know, I think the control panel is a great example. Why do we still have this monstrosity of shit, which is the windows control panel experience? You know, like this, this is something you throw an internet and you say, just like build it from scratch. You know, here's the tools, knock yourself out. And then they build a new control panel and then a bunch of designers sit down and look at it and take a pass. And then you ship it. You ship the fucking code. Um, so, I mean, these these screenshots and there's some uh, a- animations in there, uh, like animated GIFs of, of uh, new features that they're bringing, um, having like better window management and uh, updating some of the crustier UIs. Yeah, uh, it's crisp and clean. Yeah, I mean, the new start menu, it's in the middle, which is a little strange. Right. Um, by default, you can move it to the left. But I think the the concept that they're working with feels good, which is nice. It, it feels um, good like the Windows 7 start menu felt. Um, I get strong Windows Longhorn vibes. Windows Longhorn was the version of Windows that Microsoft had been working on after XP. Um, they eventually cut their losses, started from scratch, and we got Vista. So, you know, gives you a little bit of context there. <laughs> Yikes. Um, Longhorn was truly an exploration in what can Microsoft do in the year 2005. Um, they had 
all sorts of fun animations for, you know, can we make the windows like swoosh and swoop when you drag them? Do they wiggle a little bit, you know, giving things gravity and taking advantage of the GPU more and more? Um, you know, uh, if you remember back to Windows Vista, we got the uh, glassy arrow UI where you could see through things. Oh, There's yeah. a bit of a blur and like the um, highlights on the edges of the glass moved as you dragged the windows back and forth. Um and so I'm excited to see Microsoft starting to pull on some of these threads and saying like, okay, well, that was actually kind of nice and it, it, it looked good. Let's focus on simplicity. Let's remove some of this cruft that nobody ever picked up and developed, like these fucking live tiles in the start menu. Um, it, it almost feels like Microsoft is regaining the magic of the Windows desktop. And hmm. if they can just carry it across the finish line, I think... Uh, Windows 11 will be like a proper loved version of Windows. Yeah, Windows uh, experience for sure. Yeah, historically it's been like everybody skips a version of Windows, right? Like nobody yeah. really wanted Windows 8. No. Nobody really wanted Windows uh, Vista. Nobody wanted Windows ME. Um, I and so hate 10. I had to upgrade to 10 with my new computer. I fucking everybody hate had it. to upgrade to 10. Yeah, I, I mean it's not it's not fun. It's better, it's not good, but yeah. <laughs> Like Debatably. it's efficient. You can use it. You can do stuff. But right. there's just so many annoyances that people get used to. Yeah. Um, that it's like, well, why? And and then I keep reading online about you know Microsoft changing things or deploying an update that does a thing that nobody wants. And it's like, yeah. yeah. I got so a little, I got a little news hopeful. feed from Microsoft Edge now at all times. Being like, here's the top story. It's like I fucking get this out of here. I don't yeah. want this. I can't get rid of it. <laughs> that sucks. Yep. But anyway, let's anyway, wrap this one up. It's good to have Basta back on the show. Thanks for uh, adding some value to this podcast and making it sound like <laughs> some we have some intelligence. Exactly, Brandon knows what I'm getting at. <laughs> but uh, let's uh, wrap this up and do some plugs. Where can our listeners find you, Basta? Or maybe here's your chance to talk about Pinecast. Um, yeah. Uh, come check out Pinecast. It's good for making podcasts. Uh, Pinecast.com recently launched an annual plan. So for those of you who are put off by a monthly subscription, you can now pay uh, for a year upfront at a discount of one month. So it's $110 for a year. Hell yeah. You can't see Um, me. I'm dabbing right now. (laughs) Why? You don't even pay for your subscription. (laughs) (laughs) They don't need to know this. Look out of here, Doug. Uh, but yeah, come check it out. Um, we'd, we'd love to have you. Uh, it, it's, it's just a veritable cornucopia of, uh, podcast related goodness. Gonna have a new homepage, maybe by the time that you hear this episode. Ooh, uh, exciting. That's exciting. Ooh. Um, and, uh, lots of other good, juicy new features, hopefully coming in the next week or so. Very cool. And Bren, how about you? You have another podcast. I remember seeing a little blur put from one of our customers saying like i contacted pinecast support at 2 a.m and they got back to me right away with the solution and the first thing i thought was bass to go to bed go to bed yeah. bass <laughs> no i don't sleep anymore um, i have that's, a sense that's of, part of the yeah. problem <laughs> uh you can find me on twitter at abts brendan really not doing much it's mostly me retweeting uh chainsaw man and final fantasy 9 fan art as well as my podcast which is this one and are we there yet my anime podcast where we watch three episodes of an anime give a recap give our opinions of it see if it's a good one to jump into it's a, it's a nice sampler pack of animes if you don't want to commit to watching it all hell yeah definitely check that out listener and if you like our show give us a like follow subscribe we're findable at all the places at abt silence uh particularly twitch.tv slash abt silence is where i'm streaming a variety of games 
messing around with just chatting stuff like that we have a community goal right now for uh kingdom hearts one any percent speed <sighs> run challenge so yeah i don't know how to speed run uh kingdom hearts so i hope we don't meet this goal but if uh the community pulls it off i will be attempting that on stream it's going to be a nightmare uh but also i have a podcast about harry potter trading card game super niche if you're into that check out renovate <laughs> it's very fun i'll have links in our show notes uh but yeah that that putting a lot of time and effort into that show and my co-hosts of that show we're all getting into this new trading card game called metazoo oh, and i feel like once the we run out of things to talk harry potter trading card game that's gonna like evolve into like a metazoo podcast so yeah check that out as well but uh i think that's gonna do it for this week thanks so much for listening we'll be back next time see you guys bye see you.